0: and welcome to your favourite teacher. So continuing on with exam revision and practice for tomorrow's literature paper one exam if you're listening to this in real time. um, I'm going to look at A Christmas Carol now and I have one, two, three extracts that I'm going to work through. Um, So I'm not really going to be drawing too much on the rest of the story. I'm just going to be tackling the extracts um, and thinking about how you make sense, what sort of things you might pick out. Obviously, the most important thing is making sure that you know your focus um, before you start reading your extracts. So you know the sorts of things you want to highlight, the sorts of things you're going to pick out. And then you've got to think about linking it to the rest of the story. Um, so looking at section b's now so but again you do still get an extract it should be a bit easier to understand than the shakespeare the first half of the shakespeare is quite tricky um but that being said it is still um these stories were still written a long time ago and so the language does um get a little bit of getting used to So let's have a look at this practice question. In this part of the novella, the ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge to visit Bob Cratchit's house. Okay, and then we've got the extract and then I'm going to have a look at the question. Starting with this extract, how does Dickens present the importance of family? Okay, and write about how Dickens presents family in this extract and how Dickens presents family in the novel as a whole. So we're going to read through and we want to be thinking about family and how it's presented in this extract but also maybe think about things that you can link to the rest of the story when you're reading this extract so here we go i'll read it first once and then i'll go through it then up rose mrs cratchit cratchit's wife dressed out but poorly in a twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons, which are cheap and make a goodly show for sixpence. And she laid the cloth, assisted by Belinda Cratchit, the second of her daughters, also brave in ribbons, while Master Peter Cratchit plunged a fork into the saucepan of potatoes and, getting the corners of his monstrous shirt collar, Bob's private property conferred upon his son and heir in honour of the day, into his mouth rejoiced to find himself so gallantly attired and yearned to show his linen in the fashionable parks. And now two smaller Cratchits, boy and girl, came tearing in, screaming that outside the baker's they'd smelled the goose and known it for their own. And basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, these young Cratchits danced about the table and exalted master Peter Cratchit to to the skies, while he, not proud, although his collars nearly choked him, blew the fire, until the slow potatoes bubbling up knocked loudly at the saucepan lid to be let out and peeled. "'What has ever got your precious father, then?' said Mr. Scratchit. "'And your brother, Tiny Tim, and Martha, warned as late as last Christmas Day by half an hour.' "'Here's Martha, mother,' said a girl, appearing as she spoke. "'Here's Martha, mother,' cried the two young Cratchits. "'Hurrah! They're such a goose, Martha!' "'Why, bless your heart alive! My dear, how late you are!' said Mrs Cratchit, "'kissing her a dozen times and taking off her shawl and bonnet for her with officious zeal. "'We'd a deal of work to finish up last night,' replied the girl, "'and had to clear away this morning, mother.' Well, never mind, so long as you are, so so long as you are come, said Mrs. Cratchit. Sit you down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm, Lord bless you. Okay, so, we've got the Cratchit family, and we've got to look at how Dickens presents the importance of family, which might not straight away um, come across in this extract, because what we have here is we have people preparing for Christmas dinner um, and it might be quite tricky to see the importance of family here but what you've got to realise is that Scrooge is watching this um, because of the ghost of Christmas present so what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to make a comparison between Scrooge who is very much alone and Bob Cratchit's family. And you have to, as a reader, um, Dickens is trying to make you see that one is better than the other, and that the family and the family environment that we're looking at in this extract is far superior to Scrooge's present life and present existence. So we need to think about ways in which um, things seem better in the Cratchit household. Now, initially, what we look at is we look at a few negatives because they're a very poor family. But in a twice-turned gown, brave in ribbons, and they make a goodly show. So we've got here um, a wife, a mother, who makes the most out of a situation. So we know that they have nothing, and we can get that from the extract twice-turned-gown shows it how many times it's been reused but brave in ribbons and that juxtaposition there is really nice to show that despite their poverty and their poor um well their lack of wealth there she's but brave in ribbons so mrs cratchit still knows how to make a good effort um so does the second daughter belinda cratchit and what we have here is we have the assistance so she's assisted by belinda cratchit um, and then we've got the image of um, the master Peter plunging a fork in the saucepan and getting the corners of his shirt um, all dirty. And we've got here um, again another look at sort of how poor they are. Um, the fact that this son, this the sun, the, the fact that this shirt' has been passed down and it's Bob's private property. But actually the air and honour of the day, shows how much significance they're placing upon sharing these special times together and that shows the importance of family that they are all together they don't have very much but what they have they wear with bravery and um, they enjoy each other's company they find this an honor to all be together that's kind of what I'm reading into this we've got rejoiced so we've got the son rejoices to find himself so gallantly attired. Um, so he, And he yearned to show his linen. So he wants to show off to his family. He wants to... Um, he's proud of, of what he's wearing. He's got his father's uh, shirt on. And he wants to kind of strut around in it. But really everything is done here. There's a real sense of joy. And a sense of despite lacking um, physical... Um, you know, for physical wealth and the, the clothing here that's being described. Um, despite all of that, we've got a family who clearly um, love and cherish one another. Um, so the two smaller cratchits came tearing in. Tearing in really creates an image here of uncontrollable, but in a, in a gleeful, in a joyous way. Screaming outside the bakers they'd smelt the goose and known it was theirs. That um, that joy and that cherishment and that excitement I think really um, come is something that we associate with young children but here this is a family that don't have a lot but the excitement um, and the fact that the verb the verbs here tearing and screaming they're used in a really positive way um, to show that the elation of the the younger members of that family, and and that really shows the importance of having this strong family, um, and and why it's so significant, and why it just you know how how lovely how lovely this scene is, basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion. Gosh, if only children today could bask in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion. We've got really here a family that has so little but cherishes so much and I think Dickens is really presenting that through these descriptions of the food. Well it's not even a description of the food it's a description of their imagination and their joy at the food. The young Cratchits dance about the table Tearing, screaming, dancing. This is a sight and a scene um, that is full. It's really, really full. There's lots going on. We've got them dipping their fingers in the food, and all of this really helps um, create a real visual of um, a Christmas experience with a strong family unit. And remember, it's really important that this is being shown to Scrooge because this is what he's missing out on. Scrooge, we know, is alone. Scrooge, we know, values the wrong things. Um, Scrooge doesn't value family. And what Dickens is showing and what, well, what the Christmas present is showing Scrooge is really that actually the joy um, comes not from money and not from things, but from a unit such as this one. Um, just to continue now, we've got the um, really nice imagery here of the potatoes bubbling up, knocked loudly, um, that personification there of the, of the potatoes knocking on the lid um, to be let out and peeled. Again, it's like the, this idea of bubbling up. We've got the children's excitement is bubbling up. We've got the potatoes bubbling up. The whole thing really creates this scene of excitement um, that we associate with Christmas. Um, the importance of family, again, with, um, the mother, uh, anxious about where Martha is, um, and she doesn't, you know, what's ever got to them, like, where are they? You know, because Christmas isn't Christmas without family, that's kind of the implication, and then they're all, you know, crying out in unison, here's Martha, mother, here's Martha, mother, hooray, There's such a goose, um we've got cons with this dialogue here and with this description the main things that are coming across are the joy and excitement of this day and this day being shared so the fact that they're you know hooray um at the fact that their sisters arrived this again shows the importance of family the day is not the same um in solitary in solitude why, bless your your heart alive, my dear, how late you are. We've got this um, terms of, of affection and endearment here with my dear. And we've even got the affectionate kissing her a dozen times. It's a really nice image here of a mother who's just um, overjoyed at the arrival of her daughter. Um... We'd a deal of work to finish up last night, replied the girl. We had to clear away this morning. Well, never mind, as long as you are come. Sit you down by the fire, my dear, and let's have a warm Lord bless you. So, this final line of the extract here Mrs. Cratchit really kind of waves away um, the other things, the things uh, that Scrooge may value, the importance of work and working hard and money and all of these things and really never mind as long as you are here that is what Mrs Cratchit wants that's what she needs for a good Christmas she needs her family around her um, her children excited overjoyed Um, and I think that shows the importance of family and the importance um, that the Christmas present is trying to demonstrate to Scrooge so remember that what Dickens does um, in this story is he uses Scrooge to highlight the negative aspects of society, and whilst the um, whilst the ghosts are teaching Scrooge a lesson, um, Dickens is really teaching us a lesson. So Dickens is demonstrating. Um, to us what the ghosts are demonstrating to Scrooge and in this extract we see joy and we see excitement and we see love and that seems to warm our hearts much more than the than the scenes we have of Scrooge counting money and that's what he's trying to put across, how important and how valuable the family unit is. Okie dokie. so I'm going to have a look at another extract now. So in this extract... The Ghost of Christmas Past shows Scrooge Bell's home. And then, starting with this extract, how does Dickens present the theme of regret in A Christmas Carol? Write about how Dickens presents the theme of regret in this extract and how he presents the theme of regret in the novel as a whole. You're always going to get a question like that. It's going to ask you about the extract, then it's going to ask you to link it um, on a much wider level. I'm just going to focus on the extract mainly. So, Let's have a read through and then I will go through it again, um, picking out the bits that I think are important. But on, as always with your first reading, when you get in there, get your highlighter or your pen to circle things that you think might link to regret. They were in another scene and place, a room not very large or handsome, but full of comfort. Near to the winter fire sat a beautiful young girl, so like that last that Scrooge believed it was the same, until he saw her, now a comely matron sitting opposite her daughter. The noise in this room was perfectly tumultuous, for there were more children there than Scrooge in his agitated state of mind could count. And unlike the celebrated herd in the poem, there were not 40 children conducting themselves like one, but every child was conducting itself like 40. The consequences were uproarious beyond belief, but no one seemed to care. On the contrary, the mother and daughter laughed heartily and enjoyed it very much, and the latter, soon beginning to mingle in sports, got pillaged by the young brigands most ruth- most ruthfully, ruthlessly. What would I not have given to one of them? Though I never could have been so rude, no, no, I wouldn't, for the wealth of all the world, have crushed that braided hair and torn it down, and for the precious little shoe, I wouldn't have plucked it off, God bless my soul, to save my life, As to measuring her waist in sport as they did, bold young brood, I couldn't have done it. I should have expected my arm to have grown round it for a punishment and never come straight again. And yet I should have dearly liked, I own, to have touched her lips, to have questioned her, that she might have opened them, to have looked upon the lashes of her downcast eyes and never raised a blush, to have let loose waves of hair, an inch of which, of which would be a keepsake beyond price. In short, I should have liked, I do confess, to have had the lightest license of a child, and yet to have been man enough to know its value. But now a knocking at the door was heard, and such a rush immediately ensued that she, with laughing face and plundered dress, was borne towards it in the centre of a flushed and boisterous group, just in time to greet the father, who came home attended by a man laden with Christmas toys and presents. Then the shouting and the struggling and the onslaught that was made on the defenceless porter the scaling him with chairs for ladders to dive into his pockets, despoil him of brown paper parcels, hold on tight by his cravat, hug him round his neck, pommel his back and kick his legs in irrepressible affection. The shouts of wonder and delight with which the development of every package was received. The terrible announcement that the baby had been taken in the act of putting a doll's frying pan in his mouth. "'and was more than suspected of having swallowed a fictitious turkey "'glued on a wooden platter. "'The immense relief of finding this a false alarm, "'the joy and gratitude and ecstasy. "'They are all indescribably alike. "'It is enough that by degrees the children and their emotions "'got out of the parlour, and by one stair at a time "'up to the top of the house, where they went to bed and so subsided.' And now Scrooge looked on more attentively than ever, when the master of the house, having his daughter leaning fondly on him, sat down with her and her mother at his own fireside, and when he thought that such another creature, quite as graceful and as full of, pro- as full of promise, might have called him father, and been a springtime in the haggard winter of his life, his sight grew very dim indeed.' It's a really long extract there. I wouldn't expect it to be quite that long. But if it is, don't worry, because all that means is that you should have a lot of material to look at. So what we have here is we have Christmas past showing Scrooge Belle's home. Now, Belle is um, his ex-fiance. And so really, excuse me there. So really, what we have here is a classic case of Facebook stalking your ex or Instagram stalking your ex, and really, Belle won the breakup in this instance, and Scrooge looks at her and her life, and he mourns what might have been, and we see this, like, very, very strong description of a, another family unit, um, one that is happy, Uh, we've got laughed heartily, Um, and we've got these sort of mad children that are scrambling for their toys and presents. Um, But really, these are all things that Scrooge should hate. They're all things, uh, people, you know, sociability, everything like that he looks down on. But he actually, when he compares it to his life, the haggard winter of his life, He wishes for this more than anything. And it's really sad. So we have um, this idea of regret and this idea of of missing out on what's important. And With the case of Belle's home, Scrooge sees a life that he could have had. He could be that father. And I think when we have the father coming through the door, that's where Scrooge can look on and see this man and think that it could have been him that, was, um, that had these children climbing on top of him, diving into his pockets, um, and so on and so forth. So let's look at some things that might show regret. So remember that regret in this instance is being shown um, because he's looking at what could have been. So he's looking at this scene. So anything that shows this scene as positive is Dickens presenting Scrooge's regret because Scrooge could have had this. So um, it's regretful that he's looking at this and he sees this comfort and this joy. So even though the room isn't very large, very handsome, we have but full of comfort. And comfort here um, is a word that uh, has more connotations than it just being nice or it just being pleasant or it being um luxurious or whatever it is the idea of comfort and something being comforting um brings us it has has an element of warmth and love and I think um so straight away we see that this is a place that someone would want to be in um and and Scrooge is wanting to be in this situation um the room was perfectly tumultuous. I've got a bit of an oxymoron there, because if something's tumultuous, it's kind of hickledy-pickledy and all over the place and completely chaotic. But for it to be perfectly tumultuous, we've got those contrasts, those opposing ideas, what Scrooge thinks he wants and what Scrooge actually is finding through these experiences through these experiences that he wants so the idea of tumultuous children that's something that Scrooge would think no 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 but the fact that it's perfectly tumultuous and Dickens putting in the this oxymoron shows um the the changes that are happening with Scrooge based on his sense of regret Scrooge is in an agitated mind that's something else that we figure out um that's in the fourth line of this extract Scrooge in his agitated mind can count um and the these children seem really quite chaotic um but they're described the mother and daughter laughed heartily so he's looking on this this scene as a fond scene and anything really that shows that this scene is a fond scene is um something that shows his regret We've got, really, his first admittance to himself. What would I not have given to one of them? Though I never could have been so rude, no, no. I wouldn't, for the wealth of all the world, have crushed that braided hair and torn it down. And for the precious little shoe, I would have plucked it off. God bless my soul to save my life. We've got some quite strong admissions here. No, no the exclamation mark that um, Dickens is using. he Scrooge is sort of talking to himself here and thinking about how he would behave, behave in this situation. He would never have crushed that braided hair. Um, precious little shoe. He's looking at everything. Um, it's, it's quite um, unusual, the description here, because it seems completely chaotic and like he can't even get his eyes to see what's happening but at the same time he's picking out really small details and i think that really does show his regret the fact that he can zoom in on for the precious little shoe or the um the braided hair these specifics um show a real sense of desire and a sense um that he really is trying to put himself in this situation and i think that all is because of his regret um To save my life we've got here. God bless my soul to save my life. And even though it's not being used in the sense that he regrets that this isn't his life, I think the reference to it there is obviously the implication. God bless my soul to save my life. He wouldn't be doing that. But really his life is lost because of his actions and we see that whole regret throughout this. Um, I couldn't have done it, he says time and time again. There's things, I could never have done this. I could never be so rude. I couldn't have done it. Um, and yet I should have dearly liked I own to have touched her lips Um, I find this line quite sad actually this longing as he's looking at um, what should have been his wife Um, and we've got a long gosh is that whole sentence yeah it's about four lines of a sentence from this extract which I will post um, on the Instagram so that you can see it Um, it's your favourite teacher if you don't know Um, But it's four lines here of what he would have dearly liked. And the fact that it's such a long sentence, we've got lots of colons in there, lots of commas in there, as he's just describing everything he would have liked, and he sort of loses himself in this. He loses himself in this description to have touched her lips, to have questioned her and that she might have opened them, to have looked upon the lashes, downcast eyes and never raised a blush, to have let loose waves of hair, an inch of which would be a keepsake beyond price. In short, I should have liked, I do confess, to have had the lightest license of a child and yet to have been man enough to know its value. Really beautiful words here Um, of... What he is beginning to value, and all of these things, these small things, just a look from her, you know, an inch would have been a keepsake beyond price. He's the the use of the term price here. We know how much Scrooge values money, and he's now starting to value different things. He's starting to value love, and he's starting to value family. And the fact that he values and considers, a, you know, a, an inch of her hair to be a keepsake that is invaluable. And I do confess to have had the lightest license of a child and yet to be man enough to know its value. I think he, his change is really happening here and we see that change. And I think that the theme of regret is important because the re- regret is what allows Scrooge to change and grow. So those two things work hand in hand in this extract, we've got looking at what could have been and we've got the regret that it isn't and through that, through that distress, Scrooge is able to grow and change. Um, so other things I might pick out, um, irrepressible affection, um, again it's just th- these descriptions of, of this family and this love, um, it seems just glorious Um, the children where they think that the turkey's gone, um, but it's a false alarm. And then we've got, uh, rule of three here with the triplets, the joy and gratitude and ecstasy, that repetition of and thereafter, each comma, and the list of the three things. This is what he is seeing. And we've gone from some very long sentences to, um... Some short ones here, the joy, the gratitude and ecstasy, full stop. They are all indescribably alike, full stop. These things are, are things that he holds an importance on, his observations of these feelings and how similar they all are. And now Scrooge looked on more attentively than ever. So looking and longing is very much tied in with, with regret. So if someone's looking at something, it's that he's coveting it, he wants it. Um... And he sees the father return and the, and the mother by the fireside, um, quite as graceful and full of promise that might have called him father. He, he thinks of what might have been in this last paragraph, um, which is really sad. And we have sort of the last line and been a springtime. So the seasons here suggesting change. We You know, winter obviously is cold and dangerous and dark and spring is life and hope and that this could have been a springtime in the haggard winter of his life but it wasn't um his sight grew very dim indeed so that's how the extra ends so it's quite a sad extract there's lots here to talk about even though it doesn't seem obvious straight away but because of how tenderly he's talking about this situation we can tell his regret oh this podcast is going on forever i do apologize i'm just going to do one last extract from a Christmas carol and in this part of the novel the ghost of Christmas past takes Scrooge back to see his days as an apprentice starting with this extract how does Dickens create a sense of atmosphere look these are the worst kind of questions because what on earth do you say if someone asks you to create a sense of atmosphere write about how Dickens creates a sense of atmosphere in the extract and how Dickens creates a sense of atmosphere in the novel as a whole. Right. So I've not read these extracts before doing these questions, so do bear with me. Atmosphere is a really tricky one, and as we read through, I'll try and think of some things, um, some things that you should always look for. Um, in particular, people create atmosphere. Um, oh, the same this the same way as how they create anything. But an atmosphere, you need to be looking for the tone, the mood, a certain sense, a certain feeling. So that can be created through imagery, it can be created through description, it can be created through, I mean, imagery is description, but it can be created through dialogue. um, It can be created through structure. So let's have a look and see how it's created here. Yo ho, my boys, said Fezziwig. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up, cried old Fezziwig, with a sharp clap of his hands, before a man can say Jack Robinson. You wouldn't have believed how those two fellers went at it. They charged into the street with the shutters. One, two, three. Had them up in their places. Four, five, six barred them and pinned them seven eight nine and then came back before you could have got to 12 panting like racehorses hilly ho cried Fezziwig skipped down from the high desk with wonderful agility clear away my lads and let's have lots of room here hi ho dick cheer up Ebenezer clear away there was nothing that wouldn't have cleared away or couldn't have cleared away with old Fe- Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. Every movable was packed off as if it were dismissed from public life for evermore. The, the floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaved upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright as ballroom as, and as bright a ballroom as you would desire to see on a winter's night. In came a fiddler with a music book and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it and tuned like 50 stomach aches. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast substantial smile. In came three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed in the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. In came the boy from over the way who was suspected of not having bored enough from his master, trying to hide himself behind the girl from next door, but one who was proved to have had her ears pulled by her mistress. In they all came, one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came, anyhow and everyhow. Away they all went. 20 couple at once. Hands half round and back again the other way. Down the middle and up again. Round and round in various stages of affectionate groping. Old top couples always turning up in the wrong places. New top couples starting off again. As soon as they got there. oh sorry I've lost my place. All top couples at last and not a bottom one to help them. When this result was brought out brought about, old Fezziwig clapping his hands to stop the dance, cried out, "Well done!" And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter, especially provided for that purpose. But scorning rest upon his appearance, he instantly began again, though there were no dancers yet, as if the other fiddler had been carried home, exhausted on a shutter, and here were a brand new man, resolved to beat him out of sight or perish. Well, that's quite a mouthful, but you won't have to be reading it out loud in your exam, luckily for you. The atmosphere that's created here. See, normally, when I look for an atmosphere, I'm assuming it's going to be dark and sinister or scary. But this was quite the contrary. This atmosphere was one of excitement and one of anticipation. And um, a hundred different things going on at once. And it's a busyness. And so let's have a look through and see how Dickens creates this atmosphere. Well, certainly, straight away, we've got dialogue. Yo ho my boys. Affection straight away from Fezziwig, who seems to be in really good spirits. No more work tonight, Christmas Eve dick, Christmas Ebenezer, let's have the shutters up. The fact that he cried old Fezziwig, and with a sharp clap of his hands. He wants this now. But what he wants now, it's not like he's dictating as a nasty boss. He's saying it's Christmas Eve we're having this party now and he's ready to celebrate and that's his priority. So the sort of um, bossy demeanour um, is for a good cause in this instance. No more work tonight. And we've got, uh, the, the structure actually is, is done really significantly here. Yo ho my boys exclamation mark um no more work tonight full stop christmas eve comma dick christmas ebenezer so he's saying come on it's christmas cried old fezziwig um and the actions here the sharp clap of his hands like he's um making an instruction um so the dialogue here is really important so straight away we've got fezziwig giving the orders um and then you wouldn't believe it how those two fellas went at it charged so the verb charged so we've got clapping of the hands we've got them charging into the street and then we've got some dashes here so we've basically got the men that are going about their business and in between we've got two things we've got the description of what's happening and then this counting so one two three had them up in their places four five six barred them and pinned them seven eight nine So the use of this clever, clever punctuation here where we've got the two things going on side by side really shows the busyness because the reader's reading the counting but they're also reading the description of what's happening and it's these men preparing. Panting-like racehorses. nice simile there to show the enthusiasm of um, the preparations which we've seen anyway from this counting that's going on and the use of the dashes um, and the numbering. So... We've got dialogue so far, um, we've got the short sentences, we've got the, um, the instructions from Fezziwig, we've got the, um, how, the, how it's being described, these men going about doing their preparation, so it's with the, um, the dashes and the counting alongside um, the phrases which are saying what they're actually doing, and we've got the simile, panting like racehorses, so we've got imagery in there as well more dialogue as fizzy fizzy wigs hi-ho hi-ho dick chirrup e- ebenezer um he's constantly referring to the people that work to him as my lads so my lads my boys we've got that real sense of christmas spirit and um and unity and excitement and affection there um so the instructions are going alongside what's happening and whilst the scene is being described. So all of these things are showing this atmosphere of, of excitement and busyness. Uh, there was nothing they wouldn't or couldn't have cleared away with Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. And the fact that we've got that line, it was done in a minute, obviously I'm assuming this is some um, exaggeration here, but it's a short, simple sentence and... what. That signifying is that in a short, simple time, it was all done. So the structure is reflecting the action, uh, which is quite clever. Every movable was packed off as, as if it was dismissed. So dismissed, again, we think of like work and we think of being dismissed from work. And what, there's, what he's saying is we're using this, um, this semantic field of working and orders and things like that. But it's actually for organising a party, which is quite fun. Um, bright a ballroom as you would desire on a winter's night, so they've turned a warehouse into a ballroom, and that's a really nice description um, because we can imagine how beautiful that scene would be when initially it was just a warehouse that was covered in you know all of the stuff that they use for their mundane day-to-day ex- existence. So this is all the preparation up to this point, and then we've got the the party and people arriving at the party. And we've got this repetition of in-came. So Dickens using this repetition of in-came shows the size of this event. In-came this person, in-came that person, beaming and lovable. In-came him and her and this and that and this constant repetition. It starts every line uh, like one, two, three, four, five, six times we have in-came. Oh, in they all came again. So it's over and over. And it's showing this sense of one and all and unity. And this atmosphere is Christmas celebration being for everyone. is being used um, by this nice uh, intro to each of these sentences. And how they're being described, some pushing, some pulling, it's it's frantic, but it's like an excited frantic. Um, and, and that really adds to the atmosphere we can picture what's happening this hustle and bustle i think is the atmosphere is could be summed up with sort of hustle and bustle I, I believe um and again to show how inclusive this party is some shyly some boldly some gracefully some awkwardly some pushing some pulling in they all came it almost sounds like a song or like a rhyme um but it's really showing how one and all are all invited and all included to this party of fuzzy um, clapping and dancing. It seems like everyone's having a pretty good time. Um, the fiddler is exhausted and then just dunks his head in, in water, perhaps. And then he pops out and it's like he was a brand new man. So the, this party seems never-ending. It's infectious. Um, the atmosphere is certainly one of um, Christmas spirit and one of, of joy. And I think that comes across in, an, in a number of the things that I've said. So you need to then obviously compare that to the atmosphere at other points in the story. I'm not going to go through that in much detail um, because this podcast has been 40 minutes long and probably everyone's very sick of it. But what you need to think about is actually this story is normally one of, of sadness and doom and gloom and um, and loneliness. And so what you need to really do is you need to think about how this juxtaposes with other atmospheres. Um at different points in the story whether they be fear um whether they be sadness sorrow regret um this quite clearly stands out as as a very positive atmosphere um so try and think of things that you can contrast that to to when Scrooge is alone or when Scrooge is reflecting on different things how this is different okie dokie i hope that's been helpful and don't forget to follow us on instagram and youtube bye bye